So I'm just talking to you. All right, dear. Hello, I'm Nana. And if you enjoy listening to my sweethearts talk on this show, maybe tell a friend of yours. And maybe they can enjoy it, too. And if you would like to see this little show go a little bit further, maybe check out the Darlings Buy Me a Coffee account. All right. Okay, honey, you can go ahead with your flashlight thing now. Ladies, gentlemen, please take your seats. The spotlight is about to begin. Good evening, everybody. I'm Mystery Matt, and you're listening to the Mystery Matt Spotlight Podcast. This evening, we are doing a quick true crime, or as quick as we can do it anyway. And it'll probably be a one-off, but it might be a long one-off. We're not sure yet. We'll let you know when we get there. Uh, Anyways, uh, tonight I'm joined by Kelly, or not (laughs) Kelly. Kelly is away today. Uh, I'm joined by Sarah and John. John's filling in for Kelly is what I was going to say. Did you want to say hi, John? Hello. Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> the worst. I'm keeping it. I was going to say, keep that one. <clears throat> <laughs> We've also been drinking. So, yeah. yeah. I, uh, anyhow, <laughs> um, Kelly, you owe me big time for covering your ass on this one. <laughs> because the turnaround on the short notice was awesome at four o'clock. But <laughs> it was before three because we were at the party. <laughs> Hello. Hope everybody's doing well. Um, go Chiefs. Hopefully they take the Super Bowl. It'd be good to see Mahomes win one. We we were actually surprised that you were available to join us instead of watching the Super Bowl. Oh, don't you worry. It's streaming on my phone in the background right now. <laughs> Is it really? Oh, yeah. To yeah. be honest, oh, I thought Super great. Bowl was like next weekend. <laughs> I don't really pay attention, nor do I really care. All right, Sarah, what do we got this evening? Well, we're doing a case on a missing person. Um, I just want to put it out there, though, that I've been researching this case and picked this case like five weeks ago, like pretty much after we finished Atlanta Child Murders. And I had everything written out by last week, and then I found out that my favorite podcast decided to cover it as well. So um, Crime Weekly podcast is covering it, and they're using most of the police report where I'm going by David Robinson. Yeah. So I'm going to trust David Robinson before I trust that police report, and I'm pretty sure you'll figure out why. So Daniel Robinson is the missing person. He's, so we'll get into that. But Arizona, it's um, it's got a beautiful landscape. It's all sand, red rock, cactus, and it's home of... Ow! That was the phone being flung onto my foot by John. Broke his leg. Yeah. I'm sorry, the Eagles just scored a touchdown, so my so, team's down by seven points. So he <laughs> touched, touched down his phone on my foot. Um, so it's home of the Sonoran Desert, which is 100,000 square miles, reaching all the way to southeastern California and Mexico. Um, Arizona is a beautiful state, but also very deadly. Aside from the deadly wildlife and rattlesnakes, bobcats, lizards, and even jaguars that travel up from Mexico, they also have a hotbed for organized crime, drug cartels, drug and human trafficking. And Arizona is a top five state for missing persons. Top five. Top five. And there's a lot of states. My mother bugging me? Yeah. She knew better. Yeah. Um, it's like your mom. It's, it's, yeah, <laughs> mine calls too, so I better check my phone, yeah. make sure it's off. 
Um, so, so what would draw a 24-year-old hydrogeologist to Arizona? A job, right? So let's meet Daniel Robinson. So Daniel Robinson was born to Melissa Edmonds and David Robinson II on January 14, 1997. Daniel was born missing his right hand and part of his forearm. He was oh. the youngest of their four children and would become a big brother to his sister from his father's second marriage. David was a former military officer who fought in Afghanistan. And David and Melissa raised their four children with a lot of love, respect, and a sense of togetherness. And Daniel never went more than six hours without talking or texting to at least one of his family members. That's important. Um, when he got to high school, he stopped wearing his prosthetic because he just didn't like it and just wanted to be himself. And um, But the one hand never stopped him. He, uh, he played French horn, trumpet, tried the trombone. And for a time, he played basketball, football, and enjoyed lifting weights. But academics was his main focus, and him and his siblings were, comp or were really focused on the sciences. Daniel was a confident young man, even in his teens, and he graduated with honors from Charleston University in South Carolina, where he fell in love with geology. Oh, now John just being mad. <laughs> this is going to be a violent podcast, by the sounds of it. I shouldn't watch football. No. No. Well, <laughs> football is not a good sport to begin with. Anyways, after graduation in 2019... <laughs> I'm getting the evil eye by John. He moved to Phoenix, Arizona for a hydrogeologist job at Matrix New World. It's an like I think it's Matrix New World Engineering and the Chiefs just scored by the looks of it. Um <laughs> he stayed in hostiles for a while until a friend and coworker Roger offered him a place to stay. I better be getting a cut. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, there's money on this oh, yeah. oh there you go that's why <laughs> I'll forgive you alright so I've been found out alright he's got money on this thing and if I get a cut I'm donating to a crime charity anyways um, so Roger his co-worker and friend offered him a place to stay and after a few months he moved out of Rogers and in, into Tempe Arizona just 17, min 17 minutes outside of Phoenix. Daniel loves video games and is an avid gamer, and he just finished building his own computer, which he was very excited about and couldn't wait to show his father. Oh, what do you make? I don't know the make. Oh, come computer. on. This is I a don't. nerd station. I don't. It was never in the podcast or any of the research. It okay, just said well, he built his own, and it was, he just finished it before he went missing. When did he go missing? Well, can we get to that point? We're almost there. Okay. So I'm about to explain to what he does, like what he does. Anyway, so he finished building his own computer, blah, blah, blah. Um, he couldn't show his father. Anyways, his sister, Davisha, moved to Phoenix, and the two would often go hiking together, and Daniel developed a love for the outdoors. Matrix New World Order monitors super funds, which are wells that have been considered full of hazardous waste and environmental pollutions, and the well sites are monitored and cleaned up to provide water. And Daniel's job is to go to various well sites and monitor them. He would often need to get his own equipment for his job, which he'd eventually be reimbursed for, by the company, but because that could take a while, Daniel got a second job as an Instacart driver. As an Instacart driver. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it's like yeah. Instacart, you go grocery shopping or you go get food so or whatever. Instacart, for anybody who's not aware, is like your uh, DoorDash or or oh. that kind of thing. But for groceries or alcohol. You, you, but but they stores, do everything. Michaels, you can even get crafting supplies for them. Like oh. I wouldn't trust that, but... Yeah, cool. yeah, we use it for groceries Anyhow, in the so wintertime. No, 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 that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, I'm sure you're on mic. Anyways, so we'll get on with what happened. All right. So he seems like a pretty well-rounded guy, right? Sounds so 
so far, yeah, so good. Right? Yeah. Comes from a good, stable family. Very loving. Very close. Now, was he born without the arm? Yes. So it wasn't something that happened when he was overseas? No, no. Because no, you said he was a military No, guy, that right? was his father, David. Oh, his father was. Yeah. Okay, okay. So okay. Daniel was born without his right hand and part of his right forearm. And did I hear you say, if I recall, he played sports and was actually at, despite yeah. his. Yeah. Wow. Despite that. Pretty gifted. He was a very cool. confident, very intelligent man, like young man, and he never well, let anything stop him. In a lot of cases, um, they adapt so well, and there's even certain prostheses you can get depending on what kind well, of. He never used them. He hated them. Really? Yeah. He stopped wearing his prosthesis when he went into high school. But I mean, like for sports, sometimes there's an extra grip he can get for um, holding a stick. And his stuff dad like never that. clarified whether or not he wore them during sports, and I don't think he played on sports teams very long. I think he just tried them here and there. Well, well, like I had a friend of mine uh, when I was growing up. He was born with a small hand, so his fingers weren't really fingers, right? So he had a special device that would uh, be attached to his wrist and come out to about his palm. So that he could essentially clap against the device, and that's how he would hold things with the hand that was underdeveloped, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, like, there are ways that can help you work around it. And if you get used to it, it'll just be like those people that were born completely without arms and do absolutely everything with their feet. Those people are amazing. I don't know if you've seen those before. No. It just goes to show you, like, the ability of the human being to adapt and overcome. That that, despite what most people would consider a limitation, you can have a prosthesis that can give you some of that function back, and you can relearn that skill and perform, if not better, than some people that do have it. Uh, In some cases, um, I've even (laughs) seen people um, like with these disabilities actually um, playing with people who are are of able body so like not necessarily being completely slotted into you know special olympics or what have you right they're like no this is a person perfectly not only that not only that outperforming the able-bodied person tenfold (laughs) but it's it's just amazing to see like i don't even think daniel classified himself as a disabled person i don't think he ever saw it that way he just no, and he just saw it as that this is who I am, and that well, and he yeah. was very accepting of it. And I don't think, from any any accounts that I've heard about his um, childhood and his um, adolescent years, I don't think anybody ever made fun of him because he was just a very likable guy. Well, and then you have to think about the other side of the perspective. He doesn't know what he's missing because he no, never had exactly. It's not like he lost it midway through life. Yeah, I mean, this was how he was born. This is who he is. So either you take me or you leave me, or you know, basically fuck you if you don't accept me for all of who I am. Oh, you'd be missing out on you so know? many awesome people like, if you did that. From everything I've heard about Daniel, he is a good guy. He would be like very cool to hang out with, like just chill, like but very like happy. I don't think I've seen a picture of him where he's not smiling. So where does it go sideways? Well, let's get there. So. Or as Monty Python says, get on with it! No, we'll just do... Okay, so we'll stick with this for a little bit, and then we'll yes, kind of... We'll go with a little bit of where he when he went missing, but then we'll, we'll go a little bit backwards from that to talk about his behavior leading up to his disappearance, because that is also important to focus on. You know what else goes backwards? Your dick. That hamster from the other podcast. Oh. 
Yeah, Matt's wheels only working at about a quarter horsepower right now. All right. Yeah. Anyway, so on June 24th, 2021, Daniel left his second well site of the morning and disappeared. He allegedly drove his 2017 Blue Jeep Renegade into the desert after acting kind of strange, according to his co-worker, Ken Elliott, who was the last to see him. What but it, why? What is kind of strange? Well, we'll get into that, right? So why was Daniel acting strange? What would make him turn right into the desert instead of left on Sun Valley Parkway? And what was going on with David, or Daniel, sorry, before June 24th, 2021? John? Excuse me. You look like you have something to say. <laughs> well, you're sitting really <laughs> close to the microphones. So I'm like, oh, The he's only ready. thing I was trying to think about was, with respect to Daniel, like, is there any documented history of, like, abuse or trauma or bullying? Or, None. Like, so, None. It, for all intents and purposes, he was a, a well-to-do guy, well-liked yeah. guy. Very so well-liked. This is not something that anyone would have seen coming. No, and there's also no no history of mental illness with him either, because that's also very important to touch down on. Because when we get into his behavior leading up to his disappearance, I almost said podcast. When he, we get up to, we're about to talk about his behavior. Um, there is some people going, well, maybe he's he's showing signs of schizophrenia because schizophrenia and male show up in their early twenties, and he was twenty four, right? Um, but his, his family denies that he's got any mental health issues and either they don't want to admit it and he does, or he really doesn't. And we don't know. The only person who knows what's going on is him, is Daniel. And we either need to find him alive or we need to find him period. One way or another, he needs to be found. So during one of his last or not last, sorry, I can't, I don't have my glasses on. So forgive me. Okay. She's getting old folks. I am old as fuck. During one of his Instacart runs on June 12, 2021, he met a girl named Caitlin. She and a friend had ordered some alcohol, and when Daniel dropped it off, he she thought he was nice and invited him inside. Which, by the way, for the future, don't do that. Daniel's a good guy, yes, but you never invite a strange person into your house, whether you have a friend there or not. Well, she might have been hammered at the time, yeah. right? But even as if you're an Instacart driver. Oh, come on, who doesn't like candy from time to time? <laughs> But even if you're an Instacart driver, it's probably also not very smart to go into a stranger's house. Just because you see two females there, you don't know what's around the corner. There could be some jackass there. Guy with a chainsaw. Right? Right? So, yeah. Two chainsaws. So, it's it's bad on both both sides of that fence. Just don't go into some strange person's house. Anyways, so they hung out and talked, and he left after exchanging numbers. And some sources say he spent the night, but Caitlin says that never happened, and David agrees. David said that would never happen. Ew. Right, she sent him some podcast from a spiritual self help guru named Eckhart Tolle. I don't know who Eckhart he is. Tolle. Oh, do you know who he is? Yeah, I've read quite a few of his books. Is he a dick? Uh, no, by any means. I think he's. Quite, it just sounds quite, cultish. Well, it just um, sounds cultish. I mean, to each their own. I think. You know, my personal view of it is is quite enlightened if you're open minded enough to perceive the overall message. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I guess. Yeah, um, it is spiritual in nature, sure. No, it's just that um, you never know, because some of those people who do that kind of thing have that cult-like mentality that do more harm than good. But if he's okay and he's not in that do-harm kind of thing, you know, that sketchy. Well, if you're asking me if I want to take my clothes off and, like, smoke, um, you know, Something. ayahuasca or, like, peyote or some <laughs> shit, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all right. You're enlightened enough. But, you know, I mean... <laughs> Actually, some 
you know, five MEO <laughs> might not be too bad right now. Uh, anyway, so so Daniel did listen to them and they talked and they texted a few times back and forth and um, they may have hung out a few times because he left his canopy at our house. A canopy is like the sun tent thing that you set up. We had one at our wedding that kept the sun out. Sure. Yeah. He uses it for work when he's out in the desert to protect him from the um, sun. I had to laugh because Crime Weekly, they didn't know what it was the first during the first podcast. And then they came up and, oh, it's the canopy from his Jeep. It's not. Um, <laughs> so It's not. No. Yeah, it's not. Um, anyway, so he said that he left his canopy there and he needed it for work. So he asked if he could come by and get it. And she said she wasn't home. But sure, he, he's welcome. She told him before that he's allowed to come there or whatever. So he went over and gets it. Later, she freaks out about him just showing up. And she says it's not normal to show up unannounced. And he responds with what's normal. Um, This is just rough draft. I don't have the whole conversation here because it was kind of redundant. Um, Says he just needs to text or call. And if she's not busy and wants to see him, then she'd invite him over. He apparently doesn't get the message because one time he showed up and texted her. He was at her place and she responded she wasn't home. Um, by June 17th, she tells him that he makes her uncomfortable and he says, sorry, she tells him to stop coming by and he asks if she hates him and Caitlin says no, but to leave her alone. And somewhere in all of this, he even tells her that he loves her. Mm. I'm not sure when that happened, but. What high school level bullshit is this? I don't know. I am also not familiar with his background in terms of romantic partnerships, so. Well, how old was he? 24. Yeah, okay. Yeah, really, but same, really same here. But usually, this is behavior of a girl, not a man. No, no, no. no hold on. So, on no, you have to see it from his perspective. He is seen as an outcast because he only has one arm. First and off, you're too focused so, on that. First off, no, but that would reduce how many girl opportunities will come his way. Right. So he could right? be naive. He could be naive. He could be um, even desperate by the time he's twenty-four. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, who knows how his dating history. Yeah, exactly. But I'm yeah, no saying, idea. like, as hard as it was for me getting girlfriends growing up, mm-hmm. I would think it would be even harder if I only had one arm. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I wanted to say about that part, right? So, allegedly, he sends her this text the day before he goes missing. But I don't know. That was just something I heard. But I think it came before, like a little bit before he went missing, not the day before. But he sends her a text saying, I will either see you again or never see you again. And, yeah, so I'm not sure you can take that as green because, I mean, obviously you can either see somebody or never see them again. Yeah, so that one is kind of null But what did he mean? Is it never see you again on a more deeper level? Like, so that you have to question whether he was thinking just, okay, I'll either leave you alone or you'll call me and we'll see each or other. Or like, like for good never. Right. Um. So it's, it, that's up for interpretation obviously because we have to remember his behavior is changing around yeah. this time he's a he's pursuing caitlin kind of aggressively yeah you know which is not a really becoming behavior you know but like you said it might just be he might have also been just looking at her as a friend and like maybe he didn't have a whole lot of friends in arizona well you never know well, yeah i mean Sorry. who knows yeah, right <laughs> so on June 19th the 20th, um, Daniel's longtime friend Luke comes to visit him for the weekend, and Luke said he never noticed Daniel acting strange, and they had a really nice weekend. Went out for beers, went out for dinner. Um, yeah, so there was nothing there, and Luke would know him well because they went to school, like college, I think, together, if I'm not mistaken, but they yeah. had known each other for a long period yeah. of time. Um, June 21st, 2021, we're kind of getting into the timeline a little bit here, so just bear with me. Timeline plus behavior, right? 
Um, Daniel goes to the offices for his, of his work, which he rarely did and was not required to do, as field workers weren't required to go to the office on a daily basis. So Roger noticed that Daniel had cut off all his hair, which he thought was strange because Daniel was growing his hair out. On top of that, Roger said Daniel's answers to questions came out short and kind of dry. And we're losing money here, folks. We're losing money here. Um, so Roger asks if he wants to grab breakfast, but Daniel says no. A few minutes later, Daniel shows up at Roger's desk and say, you want to grab if breakfast? If anybody is watching this fucking Super Bowl game and understands my misery that this fucking Chiefs kicker just shanked the easiest of chip shot field goals, if you feel me, like, Matt, you Jesus. did this to me. You did this to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. All right. Anyways, he appears at Roger's desk and asks if he wants to go to breakfast. So they go to breakfast, and Daniel talks about girl, a girl, and then faith and miracles, and says he needs to get rid of his ego, that he needs to get rid of his story. So is this coming from the podcast, telling him to let go of his ego, kind of thing? Like you, is that part of the podcast of Eckhart Tolle? Yeah, it's specifically about Eckhart Tolle. It is very much about relinquishing any semblance of ego and okay. becoming comfortable in finding one's path or finding one's higher self. Yeah. Um, there's a book, there's a number of books actually um, that Eckhart Tolle has written that are uh, kind of, have you ever heard of the path of the masters or any of like those types of books or the secret? It's, it's very much about um, the one that I've read was um, something about positivity creates positivity negative creates negative negativity yeah, I positive can't affirmations right no i can't remember the name of the book now it's somewhere in the basement and i have had it for like over a decade um anyways but yeah thank you because you're bringing insight to this whole eckhart tolle thing mm -hmm. which is actually very helpful because i didn't feel like researching him um <laughs> so now i feel like i should what research eckhart tolle yeah why you have an ego problem i don't know who he is so I'm a little narcissistic uh who? You. Me? Yeah, you can be. Why? Because you're a man. Men are men have a little bit of narcissism. What, 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 okay, what's narcissism? That you only think of yourself sometimes. Well, I don't so know. So for anybody not who's always, interested out there. But everybody um, does. The power of now. No, it was um, um, that's that's one that's I, I would recommend that it kinda um a starter <laughs> <laughs> until you want to get into the deeper stuff, but uh he has many, but the power of now is probably one that most people, if they hear the name Eckhart Tolle, they probably like. Oh, I, okay, I know I've heard of that one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do they have it in video format? Uh, <laughs> I will find it. Google maybe, knows all. Maybe audiobook. Well. Here we go. Eckhart Tolle, right there. Yeah, you can buy it on Amazon and <laughs> also on Audible. We here are oh. not sponsored by Eckhart Tolle. Or um, Amazon or Audible. <laughs> or, or Amazon. Yeah. Um, okay, so later that evening, at around 6 p.m., Daniel walked into the Waffle House and the waitress described him as acting skittish and never responded to any of her questions. His father, David, later said that there's no way she could reliably say how his son was acting as Daniel had only ever been there one time. She didn't know him enough to comment or know Daniel's mannerisms. Fair enough. Right? Fair enough. While at the Waffle House, Daniel sends his sister an emergency text. Um, he's seen on video surveillance leaving at around 7.10 in an Uber and went home. David thought this was weird because Daniel never really went anywhere without his Jeep. Like, why would you take an Uber if you have a Jeep? Was he drinking? Didn't say. So, 
So Devisha saw him later at her place and said he sat and stared off into space for 30 minutes and then just left without saying a word. So that was his behavior leading up to the 24th. It is a little strange, not necessarily normal, but what you have to ask yourself, what was going on in his head? It might not be a mental issue, like a mental illness issue. It just might be like a overthinking. Because, you know, when we get overthinking, sometimes we kind of shut ourselves down a little bit. You know what I mean? Well, I want to refer back to when I was young and first dating. Yeah. And you get that first girlfriend and, and you would do anything to keep that first girlfriend, right? But what you don't realize is that like 99% of the time, that's puppet you love. You guys are going to break up. You're going to find a new girlfriend. You're going to find a better girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I'll never find another love, and you're in your high. And that's like, actually what do you a very simple answer to this behavior, right? And that's what I'm saying. So if this is one of his first loves, he ha- he is going in with the mindset of, like, some of us, I'll give it, like, the junior high area, mm-hmm. right? We all started dating and stuff like that. Not all of us. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to paint anybody into a corner. Um, some but, people are allowed to be late bloomers. It, well, and that's what I'm saying. Like, a lot of... Girls, I'm sorry to say it, are shallow, and they'll go, oh, we're not going to date the guy with one arm. This is what I'm saying. You're absolutely 100%. We're all equal until it comes time to pay in the bill. Why I say some men have that narcissistic tendency. And it's not usually, they're all selfish in a way, but it's not always as strong. Some are really bad narcissists that can actually be borderline dangerous. But But women are all shallow, myself included. And that's why I keep bringing up the, that's why I keep bringing up. Everybody has this. Everybody has this, right? That's why I keep bringing up the one arm thing because we're not seeing it from the perspective of the gentleman who is missing an arm. I will freely admit this out loud and you can come at me. I understand. And I don't mean in a bad way, but sometimes amputees freak me out a little bit. Yeah. And that's exactly it. No, because it's important. It's also very If he was going through the mental kind of state where he was just falling in love or... We're not getting sued by <laughs> Well, we <lions>. are now. <laughs> if anything, they might want a sponsorship because we promoted prosthesis. So anyway. Um, I'm not saying that. Like, if I got to know somebody and I found out that they had a prosthesis, I'm not going to say, oh, that, okay, bye. You know, if you're, I don't care. Actually, it doesn't matter if you have a disability or not or what color your skin is or where you're from. If you're a good person, you're fine with me. You're cool. But if you're a shitty person, no matter what your problem is physically or emotionally or whatever, you're a shitty person. Can, can I mention something you know? nerdy on the side of prosthesis? What? Um, there's a girl who won a contest and the creators of cyberpunk made robotic arms in the style of cyberpunk. And they're crazy advanced, guys. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen some of these higher end arms and stuff like that. But if it was done right, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. That's how dexterous, how movement so and oh, it's crazy. We're so getting there. People. While I was researching this case, I was I had seen I was looking at pictures of Daniel, right, trying to get a feel for him. Just his smile is absolutely incredible. It's just a beaming smile, right? I never even noticed that he didn't have a right hand. I never noticed it until I was listening to a podcast and David mentioned it, and I'm like, wait, what? And then I noticed it. So that tells you if you ought to, like if you see somebody for who they are, you don't even notice that. 
Well, you know, and it that, doesn't bother me. That is understandable, but it makes you miss the entire mentality of the victim. But not, yeah, well, for in this case, yeah. So I'm glad it was mentioned because if you were to come across a body and it's missing that part, it's going to be a lot so easier to, ad- but it might be easier body. to yeah. identify the body as well, right? Mm-hmm. You can usually tell by the way yeah, the skeleton yeah. is, right? But I mean, like, for me, I thought, wow, I didn't notice that part of him because I was so focused on his eyes and his mouth, just seeing how kind his face was that I never even looked beyond, the, like, the physical from that. Yeah. And to me, that's a big thing because you can tell a lot by people by just watching their eyes or looking in their eyes or even seeing their smile. And he had such a gorgeous smile. But even you yourself were talking about... um how profiling can tell you a, a picture of a person. Yes. Without the knowledge of knowing that he only had one arm, that's a real mental shift in how that person develops, grows, yes. thinks, everything else. And if that's not in the factor, you're probably most likely going to come up with a wrong conclusion because think- you're not thinking of the person who has it. Or has missing it. Yeah, you're not it. coming from their angle. And I, I'm looking at it this way. I'm like, David never said it bothered him, and he just, he went all in his life like a less quote unquote normal person, right? And I'm thinking that that maybe not factor into the profile for him, but it factors into the profile around about the people who are around him. And that's what I'm talking about. So I can profile him, and I profiled him correctly. It's the people around him, like Caitlin, right? We don't know if she had a problem with that. But is it worth noting that? I'm not saying that this may have been his state of mind, but is it worth noting that because he had to overcome the challenge of that disability, that he worked so hard to overachieve? You said he made everything that I've heard so far at least points to the fact that he was a high achiever. Or that he was a high achiever. Right. So I think his entire family is like that to begin with. Right. Yeah. Dad's military man comes from a traditional family. Uh, his siblings are values, all into the sciences. Right? Yep. Yeah. So that's fair. That shapes your psyche. But having that disability and having to, I don't want to say overcompensate, but maybe maybe that is the way maybe I would harder? shape it. But work harder. Trying to um, not make it an issue. Yeah. You know, maybe that for him, like, that's got to be tiring to carry that because yeah. if somebody walks up to you, maybe that is something like that they focus on. Whereas the three of us is like, who gives a shit? Like he's yeah. just, he's, I don't he's care who he is. Like big deal. If but, he doesn't come into this door right now, I'd welcome him with open arms. Yeah. You know, no pun intended. Sorry, Matt. Human, I didn't even I'm notice sorry, that until Matt At the end of the chuckle. day, he's a human being. He's funny. But he, well, you made a face. But I mean, like, he seems like a great person. So, I mean, if he, if he came in, it, it would be like, oh, come sit down. I wouldn't even care. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah. And that's just it, right? Uh, or did you finish? No. I'm oh, just okay. about to get into the actual timeline of the 24th. Okay. Well, you're at 30 minutes as of now. Well, we already said this was going to go long. So. Well, yeah. Give her. All right. So, uh, I put the wrong date. I put the tw- Oh, no. Oh, sorry. It's June 23rd. He went missing. My bad. I had the wrong date before. So June 23rd, 2021, at 6.26 a.m., Daniel leaves his apartment, and at 7.03 a.m., he stops at the Shell station in Buckeye and gets one gallon of gas, which is 3.78 liters here in Canada of gas. 
Then he goes to the first well site, takes photos, and fills out his log. And at 7.34 a.m., Daniel calls his co-worker, Ken Elliott, and leaves a voicemail. At 8.08, Ken called Daniel. At 10 after 8, Daniel texts Ken for directions to the second well site. At 8.35, Daniel called Steve. Things gets a little confusing with the timeline between 9 a.m. and 10 a.m. because Ken originally told police that Daniel arrived at the site at 9 and left about 9.15, but all call logs say otherwise, so we'll go with the call logs. Why not? So at 9.28, Daniel called Ken, and sometime after 9.30, Daniel arrives at the well site where he and Ken decided what to do as it began to lightly rain. Ken told the Buckeye police that Daniel just started staring off into the desert, and about 15 minutes after he arrived, he just got into his Jeep and left, and Ken was the last person to see Daniel. At 10.05 a.m., there's a missed call from Steve. Between 10.45 a.m. and 11.10 a.m., there's a bunch of missed calls and texts from Matrix workers. At 11.35, there's a missed call and voicemail from Steve. At 1.05 p.m., there's a missed call and voicemail from Roger. After 2 p.m., Roger goes to Davisha's home to see if she has seen or heard from Daniel. She had not. Davisha calls her father, David, in South Carolina. He tells his daughter to go to Daniel's apartment and call everyone he knows. David tries to report his son missing, but has to wait 12 hours before he can, And what, but one officer decides to go out and look, but had no luck. On June 24th, police tried to access Daniel's GPU Connect system, which is kind of similar to OnStar, but were unable to find any data, and meanwhile, David discovers all Daniel's photos had been deleted off his Instagram account. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, police tries, also tried to ping Daniel's cell phone to nothing. Um, Buckeye police checked the well site. Wait, they pinged it to nothing? They couldn't find anything. So then... Uh, so you try to ping it between... Dead battery. Dead battery where it, where it wasn't turned on. Anyway so, anyway, so Buckeye police checked the well site and do a ground search near the well site. They told David they planned to send a helicopter up, but the higher-ups denied the request on the basis that Daniel was a grown man who likely left on his own. Well, that that's a valid point, too. Yes, but David knows his son, right? You know your child. You know their habit. He wouldn't just up and leave. Not if he was talking to his family. All the time. All the time. Yeah. So at this point, David is pissed. And I don't blame him. Um, he packs up his car and makes it. Would a- you say that the police officer's attitude towards the initial investigation was dismissive at first? Probably. Yeah. Um, so David packs up his car and makes the 31-hour drive from Charleston, South Carolina to Phoenix. On June 25th, David's aunt calls the Buckeye Police Department, and they tell her the helicopter is going up. Oh. Um, when Dan- when David talks to Ken Elliott, Ken says he was at the well site every day and never once heard the helicopter or saw one in the air. David has requested the flight re- records and has not had them yet. So the helicopter became a UFO? I think it No, was. no, they, ne- they never sent a helicopter. They never sent it up, by the sounds of it. I know. I'm well aware of this. Okay. So... David starts conducting his own searches with Davisha, checking every parking lot, airport, bus terminals, everything, multiple ground searches, including in the Sonoran Desert. Um, He arranged a lot of volunteers. Volunteers would come out and search as well. So, on July 9th, Civil Air Patrol performs an aerial search using just one plane, despite promising David two planes. And they only did one passover of the area. They refused to allow David to go with them, and also David wasn't thrilled with their unprofessional behavior. Um, I guess some of the Civil Air Patrol workers were spitting and pissing in front of his daughter right there in the, in the desert, and he didn't think that was very professional, and I can't say I blame him. And you gotta go, you know? 
But still, like, do it right in front of a young lady. Like, come on. That's not how this family was raised. They don't just do that. Cover your eyes. <sighs> well, open a car door. Hide yourself a bit or yeah, something. Yeah, like find know? a cactus yeah, to pee behind. Have some cooth. Yeah. yeah, find a cactus to take a piss behind or something. You don't have to just whip it out in front of a young lady. So, on July 19th, a rancher discovers a blue Jeep renegade flipped over on the passenger side in a dry ravine. Police are called, and the rancher tells them the Jeep was not there a few days ago. But police confirm that the Jeep is Daniel's. That was just some good old boys in the back 40 having a time, but... <laughs> the Jeep is found approximately three to four miles from the well site where Daniel was last seen. The Jeep had the majority of the damage on the passenger side. The windshield had impact damage on both passenger and driver sides. All the airbags were deployed, and there was damage to the right corner of the roof, and the sunroof had been kicked out or broken. Daniel's oh, really? Col- yeah, Daniel's... Co- oh, and the right side, the driver's side window was also shattered. Hmm. Yeah. Um, inside Daniel's college ID, cell phone, backpack, which had his laptop in it, and a case of water was found inside his Jeep. And three feet away on the outside of the Jeep was Daniel's orange safety vest, his jeans, his socks, his wallet was still in the back pocket of his jeans, two brown work boots, one which was allegedly found under the front end of the car, but apparently one of the Buckeye police officers moved it before the uh, CSI people got there. Um, There was no blood inside on or around the Jeep, and there were no tracks really from anyone on foot or a secondary vehicle. But Wow. No, I'm just, my mind's blown. So you kind of alluded to that the crime scene was initially tampered with? It was, according to some sources. Okay, so... So if his boot was found underneath the Jeep, his one boot, how did that get there? If you are if you leave the Jeep through, let's say, the sunroof... Unless you ejected. But there's no... How would he be ejected? through The windshield had the impacts... The impact... Um, You know when you impact a car... Or you hit a windshield with a baseball bat and it has that little hole and then it spiders yeah. out. Yeah. It, it was okay. inward, not outward. Oh, it, oh, it blew yeah. in. Okay. So, so it looked more like it was more consistent with somebody hitting it with a rock or a baseball bat or something. So, okay. What about this completely hypothetical? Not yep. saying it hit is. Me. Not saying it is. He just lost the girl. Yeah. Right? Yep. Pissed off. Been fucking there. Uh, you know... Maybe not his first love, but maybe in an important love. Carousing down the road, you know, driving. He says, you know what? You know what? Fuck it. I'm done with this. He gets out. First off, he's angry. Mm -hmm. He's like, I don't want this fucking Jeep no more. It reminds me of when I brought over her dinner, whatever. It doesn't matter what it reminded him of. He gets mad. He beats the shit out of his car. He's thinking about ending it himself takes off all of his clothes, and he walks into the desert. Because that's probably the quickest way to go. Yeah, because he didn't take any water with him either. That's what I'm saying. If you're thinking about doing it, and you want to do it cheap, he's going to come out there angry, be pissed off at shit, be mad at the world, beat the crap out of his own Jeep, because why would he want to leave a Jeep for anybody? Nobody ever cared about him. Takes off his clothes and walks into the desert. Possibly. It's a possible. Yeah, it is. I'm not saying it is because God forbid that someone would ever get to that mind. Like I, Frick. Oh, by the way, if anybody out there um, hears this and feels a need to do something like that, we would prefer that you would get in contact with us first or 
at least call a suicide prevention someone line. who cares about you. Mm-hmm. And if you say no one cares about me, then you're not looking hard Trust enough. Trust me, there's a lot of people that are there, speaking from experience. Yeah. Yeah. Not that I wanted to do something like that, but, but the thoughts have crossed. Yeah. yeah. I'd rather. I think you don't. I'd yeah. Ra- yeah. If you, I'd rather you guys try to reach out to us on like Facebook or Twitter or something. Than waste a bullet or a pill. Yeah. Just reach out to us, and we will help you find your path. We will help you find um, the number to reach for professionals. I'll so, even talk to you. Heck. Yeah. We'll listen. We'll just listen. Because sometimes that's all you need is just to yeah. listen to, or be listened to. Wait, you know what I mean. All right, so that was July 19th. On July 20th, police asked David to pick up his son's vehicle from their impound lot and tells David they were out of leads. On July 22nd, David has a meeting with the police with an NCAAP representative. I hope I said that right. Yeah, thank you. Um, Where they hand over all of Daniel's belongings still in evidence bags and tell David they did no forensics on the Jeep because there was no blood. David is beyond frustrated at this point and really pushes them to swab the vehicle for DNA and do prints. Mm-hmm. So, that's the timeline. So, now you have a father who so is... So, we, did we get any DNA and prints? We have no idea yet. But they did eventually mm-hmm. listen to David and do it. So, so David is not obviously right now very happy with the Buckeye Police Department. And as a parent, I totally get it. And I totally understand. And you would move heaven to earth to find your missing child, no matter what. Agreed. Right? So... Yes. So David Robinson has done more than anyone out there for this case. He's raised media and public awareness for his son's disappearance. He created a website, which I'll post on our social media. And the moment David arrived in Arizona, he put his boots to the ground and searched for his son. David's been out there advocating, searching, talking, doing interviews, and just getting his son's story and this whole story out there as much as he can. And... um yeah, he's fighting for help and pushing law enforcement, and he's still doing all of this. He has actually... He's funding the self-funded? Yes. He's got a GoFundMe? He's or? got a GoFundMe, yeah. yeah. So he's out there, and he has been there since July, since June of 2021, Holy and he has shit. not left. Oh, he does, He refuses to leave Arizona without his son. Well, you know... Um, kudos to him. Kudos to him. Yep. I just feel for the man if, for any reason... He does get the bad news. Like, at some point, is it the grief that motivates him? Is it, you know, he needs answers, he needs closure? He needs answer. he needs closure. He just yeah. needs to find a son and, one way or another. And I think he still holds out hope that Daniel's out there alive. Um, how many children does he have? I think he's got five in total, including Daniel. Okay. Not to say that one's more important than another, because I've got one. I only know the perspective of one. I cannot see not loving them all. Yeah. I think he's you know the type I mean? of person that if any of his kids went missing like this, he would be out there, boots to the ground. But why would you move away from the place that the person knows you are? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like so if... You gotta look at... What'd you say this boy's name was Daniel? Daniel. Okay. So... Why would you move away from the house that Daniel remembers you being at? Say he did run away. Have they found a body? No. No. So there's no guarantee that he's dead. Right. So that would be the other thing. If he's trying to disappear and just, you know, I don't know. But uh, why would you leave the spot that he would know where you are in I case he did want to come back I don't think David gave home? up his home. 
back in South Carolina. I think he's just, he's got it in his military mindset. You never leave a man behind. So he's not leaving until he has David in one way or another. Yeah. I mean, granted, I understand the whole blood is thicker than water analogy. But it's not so much what he's capable of doing in terms of he's just one man. Mm-hmm. It's what is law enforcement doing? What is what is being done behind him? Like if he's there every day and that man is committed, who's working with him? Who's going just as far as he's willing to go? Because ultimately when it goes before the courts or the legal system and it really comes down to doing the forensic evidence and the investigation, it sounds like you said to me the boot was kind of a telltale sign. There were other things that proved, well, not so much proved, but bring into question. brought into question that was this how it happened or, or, or was there foul play here? Yeah, and we'll get into that, I'm sure. Um, I think the fact is that Daniel or David has organized many of the public searches and stuff himself, and he's invited law enforcement, Buckeye Police Department, many times to come mm-hmm. out and search with them because... They have resources he doesn't. They have ATVs. They yeah. have um, vehicles that can handle the sand and the desert and stuff like that. And they have drones and stuff. So David's GoFundMe right now is helping to fund um, the searches and helping to fund his private investigator and helping to fund any kind of testing they may have to do on evidence themselves. Because at this point, from what I've heard David say, Buckeye Police Department is just not doing what they need to be done. So... What are the nationalities of these people? Who? Daniel and... American. American? They're... African-American. Oh. No. 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 No, but it is important. We're having the same problem we had with the last case we did. It was people of color who are being overlooked and not getting the kind of justice they deserve for being human beings like everybody else. Kelly was supposed to take over this part here. Before I get more on to David's investigation here. See, yeah. So, Daniel goes missing in 2021 in the summer. His case, because of his father, gets decent media exposure and everybody's looking for him. Then, a beautiful white girl goes missing in September named Gabby Petito. And you never hear Daniel's case again. They sure did. Did they find Gabby? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They found Gabby lickety split. And they're and still talking about it today. And I'm like, whoa, no, she's back in the news again. Kylie Rodney. Did you see how much that was in the news, too? Yeah. But I'm just saying, not that Gabby Petito doesn't deserve to have that coverage, but so does a guy like Daniel. She's also not a totally beautiful, pretty young girl who happens to be white and affluent. I understand right. the argument. Yes. Yeah. Listen, there is gross misrepresentation. Absolutely. There's no question. We see it in our own city mm-hmm. every single day. There is... Yeah unfortunately a high crime rate there's a high poverty rate and for lack of a better term as a privileged white guy myself yeah i'll be the first one to put my hand up and admit yeah there is white privilege i get i get treated better by the cops i don't get hassled i get left alone i go into a store no one's throwing me out Right, they all assume I'm there to buy something with the capability to buy that. And that is why it's hard for many um, white people to sympathize with minorities because we don't know how they feel. We don't know what's going through their heads, or like, are they? Oh, if this cop pulls me over, I have to do this because I don't want to get shot. 
Like, yeah. we don't understand that. that that's exactly well, you know? And I can put my hand up and honestly I didn't understand that until I, I read totally, the book, The Hate You yeah. Give. Like, I, yes. 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 Yeah. I, I read I, that I, book I, and I was like, totally eye-opening. Right? You know, do, you, do you know what put it into perspective for me? What? I'm standing out back and an African-American gentleman comes up to me. He's like, hey, man, you got a smoke? I'm like, it, yeah, I do. He's like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, to startle you. I'm like... Why the fuck would you startle me? What are well, you talking I, about? You're no, just a dude like me. You want a butt? No. Here's a butt. Like, fuck off. He, he did startle about? me because I was looking the other way. I didn't know anybody else was there. <laughs> and then all of a sudden that I get... That would be the only reason. That he yeah. Yeah. Would yeah. not startle me at all. And I'm like, oh, no, I just didn't see you there. And he's like, oh, well, a lot of people just get scared because I'm a, you know, taller than average black man. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no, you just came up from behind. You scared the fuck out of me. You know, I jumped a mile. It's like, yeah, you can have a smoke, but God. <laughs> and for the record, not that it's totally the deciding factor. Matt and I are bigger guys. We're both over six feet tall and we're we're both you know, over 200 pounds. But to be honest with you, I don't use my size, nor does Matt, nor have we ever, we've been friends a long time, use our size to intimidate anyone. And quite frankly, if you if you are a bigger African-American gentleman or just African gentleman or whatever the case may be, you should not feel at any time, unless you are genuinely threatening somebody, you should not feel like you have to change your demeanor or your personality because someone immediately perceives you as a threat. But that was the thing. He had this conscious idea that he knew people instantly perceived him as a threat because he was a black man. Because for the longest time, and this is before our generation, and maybe even before our parents' generation, they were perceived as a threat. They weren't perceived. And very yes, unfortunately. Well, yeah, that's disgusting. Um, but also, but the thing is, is that they are human beings, just like we are. They see, just. I'm actually kind of glad that it took thirty or uh, forty some odd minutes to get to the point that he's also African American. Well, I didn't want to make it a point at all until I read the call to action. To be honest. With you. Well. Because I don't want people to look at it in a different way, right? Well, no. Right away. This is where I think it uh, adds an extra. So not only did he have he's also African-American. Yes. Yeah. I hate to say it, but double jeopardy. You know, I, I, I hate saying this because it, it sounds horrible and it's heartbreaking, but you already have a tremendous disability that you have to overcome. Then you're African-American. The police in the United States, as much as, you know, they say, well, we're here to serve and protect. Yeah, provided you pay your taxes and you live in a white gated community, they're there to serve and protect all the time. Yeah. But on a bad night, on a Saturday night, when they got to go down to the lower ninth ward in New Orleans and they got to go into the ghetto, they don't go. It's actually considered a no go. Yeah. And it's sad to say. And that's why, in many cases, things that happen, even as much as this may have just been a situation that went horribly wrong. And an honest-to-God great guy lost his life in a tragedy. Who knows what happens? But if they don't give it the credence that it's worth to go and even see it through just because he's a black disabled guy and he had a fight with his girlfriend, so, oh, well, you know, I guess he offed himself. 
to dismiss it at that is bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolute bullshit. Yeah. So, but I, I do find it adds a layer to it. But uh, another thing, we're talking about the southern states. Well, Arizona, I think, is a blue, uh, blue state, not a red state. No. Oh, is it a red state? Negative. Negative. <laughs> okay, my bad. I don't follow the politics. For anyone out there that thinks that Arizona is a blue state, I'm sorry. That's California, honey. Same thing. It's hot there. Same thing. They have desert. It's hot there. Fuck. Lots of blonde people. I'm like, come on. Anyways, let's get on with this shit. That's not really shit. It's just, I'm getting tired and Mama's really sleepy. So, during many of David's, um, his own searches, he and the volunteers who came out to help have come across different skeletal remains. Some animals, some humans, but none were Daniel. These discoveries have managed to bring some closure to some other families. And one of the skulls they found actually was, I believe, of a missing person whose family in Florida couldn't find that, that person. Another Republican state. Yes. And they, and they were able to give closure to that family. So forget what you were about to say, because that was a politic thing. Yeah. Anyways, in more than one interview with the media and podcasters, David had expressed that he feels the Buckeye Police Department could do more. They handed back his son's phone to him, completely wiped clean, including pictures. He also feels that the text provided by Caitlin... Wait, wait, wait. Who handed what back clean? The police handed Daniel's phone back to David, completely wiped clean. Okay, okay so that tells me they took everything. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know why you would scrub it after that. I don't know because even like even the pictures that Daniel had taken that were on there was not on there anymore, and I'm sure his father and his family would have liked those pictures. Unless David or is it Daniel? Dan- sorry, unless Daniel erased had the mindset of I want to be erased from existence. Maybe hence the Jeep thing. Sorry, I'm still on about that, but you you never know. You never know. It, it, he. There's so many things that could go through a human being's mind. So, um, is he, it even? I'm sorry to say this. I just I, I'm trying to think about this. You know, here in in Canada land, you know, in the fifty, what is it, third state <laughs> or something? We are like that. not even close to American. Yeah, but you know, all joking aside, if you wanted to make a run for it. And there has been a few recent incidents where some donkeys have actually tried. Wait, is that a, that's not a racial slur, is that? No, I okay. mean just absolute jackasses have okay, actually committed crimes and tried. There's some phrases sorry, out there that's, that's, are racial that's, slurs that, that, that I don't know. I apologize know, so. for for those of you who play hockey. That's the hockey player in me. But some jackasses out there have actually tried to commit murders and and go across country and you know, granted, Canada and the U.S. are. Pretty, pretty tight in that they have no extradition treaties. So. yeah but it's not even that it's just the landscape trying to navigate cross coast to coast and, and go across some pretty rugged terrain yeah uh i mean good luck and you know if he did walk out in the desert and you know as matt so, was saying you know something to that extent your survival rate, unless you are like Les Stroud and you're Bear Grylls and you're that kind of guy or like some Dev Grill or JTF2 operator who's had some hell of a good seer training, you're as good as cooked. Like, yeah. You know. Can I, can I continue? Because we're running out of time here probably. Um, so, so Caitlin provided text messages to the Buckeye police, but they were done via screenshots. 
So David feels that the texts provided by Caitlin were not in its entirety and that the police were using the so-called Caitlin relationship as a distraction. Yeah, they were thinking that's why he left, because he was upset about the Caitlin thing. Anyway, so David has had to push the police to do DNA testing and fingerprinting on the Jeep, as well as go through all the electronic data. The Robinsons hired their own private investigator who specializes in accident reconstruction named Jeff McGrath. Police pulled the information from the Jeep's onboard computer to find there was very little accident data available. They reached out allegedly to a dealership who told them it was normal. But when David's team spoke to Jeep, they said that was not normal and that would be a recall. The police no longer had access to the Jeep to recreate their own accident, um, you know, scene. And their accident reconstructionists all said that it was comparable. It was an accident. It was was supposed to be that way. That's where it happened. Um, But... uh, There are, um, on more advanced vehicles, like um, the Mercedes or, or, or something like that, um yeah there there are onboard computers that similar to like a black box and, and that's all actually a lot of cars have them yeah including the jeep so when yeah, i say sorry i just computer, wanted to bring I'm that point about up Jack, yeah. the black box so what jeff mcgrath who actually has the jeep with david has gleaned from the jeep's data was that the crash happened four hours after daniel went missing and that there was 30 plus i think there was actually 42 engines that start Yes, and that between the time he was reported missing and after the accident. So when the wait, ac- wait, wait, wait. so sorry, the accident sorry. happened, you, four you're hours telling after me that someone tried to start the car, or at, the car tried to start itself. I mean, at least forty-two, <laughs> forty-two times. Yeah, after and probably two or two or three the of those accident? were probably the police trying to get the car to move. What's the meaning of life? You can't answer that. Forty-two. I'll tell you later. Okay, tell me when I'm older. So, and there was also 11 miles on it after the airbags deployed. What, nothing on that one? No, keep going. Okay. So, McGrath went out to the same area to try to get up to the speed that the black box recorded, which was about 30 to 40 miles per hour, that the Jeep was originally, or allegedly going at the time of the crash and could not reach those speeds in that area on that terrain. McGrath also noted that there was red paint transfer on the right side of the car, which is the passenger side for anybody who's not from North America. So Jeff McGrath has not ruled out foul play. He told David that that exact area near the vehicle site was known to have drug cartel action as well as human trafficking. David fully believes there was foul play, but the police do not believe that at all. They Mm. think that either Daniel suffered a head injury from the crash, stripped off his clothes and found some shade, where he succumbed to his injuries and animals preyed on his ruin on his remains, but there was absolutely no signs of animal predation anywhere near that area. So there what kind of paint transfer are we talking? They don't they didn't say they said red paint transfer. It could be from another vehicle, it could be from a trash can, it could be from something. But like yeah. But it was in the dents. Oh, near okay. the dents. Um or they said that Daniel staged the accident decided to walk away from his family and life and joined a monastery, which to me is fucking ludicrous. How about what? So all of a sudden, he just decides to up and become a monk? Fuck it, I'm becoming a monk. Yeah, okay. But David I believe that when me shit turns purple and smells like rainbow sherbet. Right. (laughs) Oh, John just busting Matt. So David, of course, can't just dismiss this theory, so he even checks some of the local monasteries, and Daniel wasn't at any of them. So this is what no we know. No ninjas, eh? 
This is what we know and what some of the things I didn't cover. So Daniel was clearly unfamiliar with that particular area, which was evident from him asking Ken Elliott for directions. It was also his first time meeting and working with Ken. Ken's story has changed a few times. What he told police and then later David was very different and he was never formally interviewed by the police and neither were any other Matrix New World employees. David or Ken told David that he drove out into the desert looking for Daniel, even marking his way with red spray paint. Mm. If he was so concerned, why didn't he try to call Daniel after he left the site? And why didn't he use green? Uh, yeah. Because it's a desert and there's still green in the desert. It'd be harder to see. Okay. To but, be to be honest. To be fair. To be fair. Okay. Hey, can I make one point before you go on? So if, if Ken did actually go out and spray paint things with um, red spray paint and there was paint transfer on the vehicle mm. is ken somehow connected to this and if he was what motive does he have they've never met until that day which one's ken again ken was the co-worker that he met out in the field for that second job site word which his jeep was found four miles from that well site okay so but ken has no motive the unless easiest color for the human eye to see a in the dark and b at a distance is the color red our receptors for that color specifically are the strongest. That's why a lot of us have the. That's why you wear red and orange and stuff when you go hunting. Uh, the the fluorescent orange is actually super exaggerated and ultra man-made. But besides that, um, so on the light spectrum, red is good, right? And from a military point of view, using red to mark your path would be a good idea because you can see it at a distance. You can distinguish it from the desert colors. Yeah. Okay. But using a color that is also representative of the color of paint found on the side of your son's busted up car is probably not a good idea. I probably would have gone with blue because you also can't see blue things so many times in the desert. Right. So obviously me looking at Kent as a potential suspect or having some kind of connection to this case it's just my opinion. It just seems kind of hinky that there was he he allegedly used red paint, but I've also not heard anybody else confirm this that he that they saw red paint out in the desert. How can anyone actually place him there? Ken saw him go right instead of left, so he could have either turned left onto Sun Valley Parkway when he was leaving the job site off of um, whatever fucking road that is. I have it written down somewhere. Um, it's coming up. Or he could have turned right into the desert. There's two options. <laughs> Take the road, the road less traveled. It, it's kind of a flipper, flip a coin kind of thing. And I don't mean to be disrespectful to anybody who uh, identifies as non-binary. But when people ask me, oh, was the baby a boy or a girl? I say, yes, those are the two options. So, did he go right or did he go left? Yes, those are the two options, as far as I'm concerned, because eyewitness testimony is faulty at best. Very much so. Okay. Um, so, I talked about Ken's story changing. So, the crash happened. And like I said, no disrespect for anybody who doesn't specify Identify, yes. yeah, yeah. So, the crash happened four hours after Daniel went missing, but after two aerial searches, multiple ground searches... The rancher's statement of him not seeing the Jeep just a few days before he discovered it. So where was that Jeep? 
Uh, you know how expensive Jeeps are. Yeah, especially a Renegade. You Renegade. Buy a Rubicon. Anybody got money for a Rubicon? If anybody wants to donate a Rubicon to the uh, Mystery Mad Podcast, <laughs> we need a truck fund. I'm losing the cushion. Sarah would really like an upgrade. They can't push the cushion in because my ass is on it. There we go. All right. So the police did not use luminol inside the Jeep. So how can they be so sure that there was no blood? The crime had taken place. Blood could have been cleaned up, and cleaning agents will show up under luminol and black light. Well, I was going to say the black light. Yeah, you bleach could. as well. Bleach for sure will show bleach up under for black sure, light because even when you say you clean up, say I killed Matt right on the floor, yep. allegedly dead. Don't right come here. for me. And I, I'm stupid enough to do it that way by killing him with a knife or something. That'd be I, and dumb. I go to attempt to clean it up. On this floor, you just need some tarps and some lime, buddy. Yeah. We'll be all right. <clears throat> so I attempt to clean it up with bleach. You know what's going to show up? All that white pattern, that wiping pattern with the bleach. John, the that's t- just the jizz stain that I made last night. <laughs> it's no <a> big deal. <coughs> the help message I will send you will just be HP, and that stands for help, please. Okay, just that's okay. That's, I'm not killing she, my husband. When she bumps so me know. off, I I can't. Yeah. There's no good way to do it. What kind of like when we get the HP text? And it's definitely not Hewlett Packard. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay, all right. Matt's definitely been off. He doesn't need a new HP laptop. So, um, yeah. When I get that text message, what kind of like response time are you expecting here? I would be relatively quick. You know, it might be quicker calling the police at John time. You know. Definitely quicker than Kelly time. <laughs> yeah, you're still quicker than Kelly time. Okay, so you're only about 15 off either I need direction, John's which is ish. That's the ish. 15 okay, off either your direction. Shut your hole and know your role. I no, need John's no. expertise on this because he's a car guy. Oh, John's a car guy. So, mm. in, this is in my opinion from what I know personally. Airbags are more than capable of breaking the nose and or hands of a driver. Oh, fuck yeah, bye. Okay, shush. Impact of the deployment. I personally find it hard to believe that there's no blood from the airbag shooting out. Plus, the driver's side window was broken. If it was broken inwards, there would be blood. Because it would be cutting you. Wait, Matt, I'm not done. Okay. The two impact glass breaks on the windshield look more like something hit the windshield from the outside. As well as the powder from the airbags are mild chemicals of sodium hydroxide and sodium azide, which can cause mild skin irritations, but should have made it difficult for anyone not to have leave left hand or fingerprints on, in the vehicle. Okay, now, go. Hi. Um... <laughs> this isn't an AA meeting. Hi, my name's Matt, and I'm an alcoholic. He's funny. Oh, uh, okay. So, if you hit a car hard enough on the bumper, you will deploy the yes. airbag. So, now that you've brought up that there might be people in the desert that want to do bad things. So either he beat up his car and one of those things was on his bumper and it fired off his airbag and that's why they All of the blood. airbags in the car? The side ones and the passenger side ones? They would all go off immediately hey, anyway. Hey, I can say this. As somebody who's been to Las Vegas and somebody who has toured around Arizona and Nevada, there are some people, <laughs> especially in the U.S., there are some people, you don't, don't go down a two-lane road. You don't, you see a dirt road, and it goes, it looks like it goes to nowhere. That's because they don't want you there. The hills have eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sleeping tonight. Okay, but am I not right, though, about the blood from the hairbag? If the airbag hits you, it's going to break your nose. Oh, but, 
But is there blood on the airbag? There's no blood. Depending depending on depending on the depending on the closing distance and the speed at which your face impacts a bag and how close you sit to the steering wheel. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. The the explosion and the concussive force of that bag coming out. And as Matt said about the sodium and the silica dust, when it hits you in the face, it very well, not only will it break your nose and knock your teeth out, it could very well give you a whiplash whiplash injury (laughs) that could very likely give you a concussion or very well break your neck. So the head injury is absolutely plausible if he was sitting behind that wheel. Well, that's what I'm saying. But he's going 30 to 40 miles per hour. I don't know what that is in Canadian. 30 to 40 miles an hour? Yeah, what like is that in kilometers? Between 70 to 80K. Okay, so if you're going 70 to 80K in the desert and all of a sudden you hit the ravine without braking, you see a ravine coming up, your automatic response is going to break, right? Yeah. There's, there's absolutely. But even. No, because even when you're trying to do that. Uh, shut up, Matt. Uh, uh, but even when you're trying to do that, your odd body's automatic response is to hit the brakes. Well, unless you're ripped off your gourd. He wasn't. Well, I mean. Look, that we know of. Um, I think he was a nighttime or weekend uh, smoker. I can't speak to you know what his mental state was or what his current motor skills were, but if he was in any type of inebriated state or altered mental state and didn't have all the faculties about him to drive a vehicle, I mean, look, I've been driving since I was 16, 36 years old, been driving for 20 years. I know I have formed some terrible. <laughs> Hello, police department. Go ahead, write me a ticket now. But no, I can eat a chicken burger from McDonald's in record time behind. The oh, door. oh, one handed dro- smashing a burger not, while driving with your what? knees. The champ, right not here, not dropping a piece of that shredded lettuce. Okay, okay. So, so my, but you're going thirty my, to forty oh, miles yeah, per hour. Yeah, your airbag deploys. Word. Boom! Right in your face. Yeah. There's blood. There's blood. Okay, so Boom. first off. When you said that someone would not, would automatically hit the brake regardless. I think so, yeah. Not true. You? Hold he doesn't on. drive. Hold he can on. take his opinion. Let me get there, John. He's just a fucking passenger side driver. He thinks he knows everything. So, <laughs> I knew someone who drove off a cliff. Just run him over with the bus one more time. It's fun. That's all he knows. I love him. I knew someone who drove off a cliff, and they knew she had mental illness issues. They released her from the hospital early because she played about. a game. I'm not oh, mentioning. No, no, you no. see, this is, this is actually Look, very common. Can I, can I finish, please? No, I'm just explaining. It's very common for people who have mental illness who know how to give the answers to the specialist yeah. and the therapist and the psychiatrist that they want to hear, and they say, they say, they say oh, you're fine. You're you're good. Stomp there. Stamp your release out. There you go. Instead of saying, "Yeah, I th- thought about slitting my own throat today," they're like, "Oh, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. How are you?" They are the worst profilers out there. Psychiatrists and stuff. Psychiatrists? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, you look at a criminal profiler. Yeah. And you can spot little tells and stuff, but sometimes criminals. Not. I'm not saying suicide. I'm not saying that's a criminal thing. It's not. I'm just using this as an example. Can I get? I need to get back to my point. We're at an hour plus already. Okay, who cares? Plus, you can edit probably a bunch of the stuff, anyways. But they can read people. Where psychiatrists, they are looking for the answers that you're telling them. They also don't always get the full story. So if your criminal history is not given to the psychiatrist and it's full, 
they don't understand what you're doing. So if you say, oh, I'm fine, and you're acting really good, and you're doing everything you're supposed to, because that person knows that's that. That's a that, condition. I have to do this. I have to do this to get yep. out. Yep. So they yep. know how to do it. They know how to, they knew how to, the word is, manipulate okay. the system. But right. same with suicidal people. They're not criminals, but they know how to manipulate the system if they've been in it enough. Correct? I'm still trying to make a point, and I've Anyways, already go gotten up twice. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so my point was, you were saying, someone in that situation, if they um, were driving, would automatically hit the brake. If they weren't already trying to kill themselves. And, you know, this might bring light to something, and I'm not saying it's suicide, because it very well couldn't be, or... Might not be. Yeah, there's so many things it could be that I'm not saying it's suicide. But from a person who has done it, this person drove straight off the cliff. They knew they wanted to do it. And from what the police determined and from the speed they were going, which was, I believe, at least 80 kilometers. Down that hill? That's not hard. That's that's very that, easy. That's, that's easy. Yeah. So they're... 50 miles per hour for so, Americans. So it was probably even faster than that on the, the stretch that but they we were But we know going. that hill. And but it doesn't know, take yeah. much to no. fuck up that corner. No. But the police determined the brake was not pressed once. Well, that's so she was in a- that leaves us with two options. Either the driver is unable to press the brake, whether or not they're having a medical issue or otherwise. <laughs> Or the driver did not want to press the brake. Those are our two options. Couldn't, couldn't or wouldn't are our two options. Was there any, to your knowledge, Sarah, report from the police investigation that there was any damage to or tampering with the brakes or any anything in that at um, all any mal- malfunction mechanical failure or well considering that the police wear? didn't have the jeep for their reconstructionist to even take a look at but the black box information did not say anything about um attempted breaking and jeff mcgrath didn't say anything that there was any information regarding that as and, well. and that's exactly what i mean and because the jeep was found like almost a month later there was also rain so any tracks of breaking is mm. unknown as well so he could have he could have. We just don't know this information because it wasn't released. You know? So. Hard to say. But my theory, my theory and the why I wanted John's opinion was mostly about the, the airbags coming off and they would provide blood, John's so. a fart smeller. I mean, smart feller. So we've already determined and John agrees that there would have been blood if somebody was sitting in that seat and that bag went off at 30 to 40 miles per hour. I would expect very likely that if you took a blow to the face with the airbag concussive force, bleeding. you wouldn't just be bleeding. You'd be leaking like a stuffed pig. Leaking. Your nose breaks, that sucker pours. Yeah. And that's why I think, like, maybe... This is why I'm leaning towards more of a nefarious reason. Yeah. If not suicide, then nefarious is all hell. Yeah. All hell. But I don't think... And, yeah, maybe he, I should start... I don't start... think anybody would be capable of staging that scene to join a monastery when you're 24 years of age and if you're not you are trying to metaphorically kill your past self to become a more pure and enlightened self to live in this monastery you would therefore have to sacrifice your past being you could sacrifice your past being but How's to that for be able deep to children? 
crash your Jeep or make it look like you crashed your Jeep. Wrote it off. Got out of the car, wiped it clean, made sure there was no blood. Did it without hurting yourself, leaving prints or blood, DNA of any kind. Speaking of prints. Yeah. Shut up. You keep distracting me. Anyways, and then no people away. who have faked their deaths. Prince, oh, Prince Michael Jackson, Elvis, did not Andy Kaufman. It's found in an elevator. Yeah. Um, but I'm just saying, like, it would be very difficult. And if you're gonna Elvis. just walk away from your life, why do you need to do that? Just leave your Jeep in a parking lot and make leave it at the bus terminal to make it look like you hopped on a bus and took off. That's actually the more sensible thing. If you're trying to wipe your ego clean and get rid of your story, so he says, like, so what he said. And that's my yeah. opinion. That would be the it, easiest, less yeah, invasive way to do it. I think things. it is sounding more nefarious mm-hmm. because, for example, if he meant to do it, he would have told his parents or there at least led of note of some sort. If he was that connected to his family, he would have at least been like, hey, it's been a good go, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Something. If I know he was this, that tight. Yeah. Then... I know. Okay. So I know this is going to sound like I'm knocking on the police department in Buckeye, and I probably am. But after the Jeep was found, police allegedly sent drones up and sent cadaver dogs out to search. But 100 feet from where the Jeep was found, a human skull was found by David's team of volunteer searchers. So how come the police search didn't turn up the skull? And it it is what cadaver, dog, cadaver dogs are trained to do. So did they search or not? Well, let's just say cadaver dogs are pretty good at doing their jobs, but they're not always 100% reliable. But if it's 100 feet from that Jeep, how come they didn't find it? Well, I mean, Did they look search at it, it real time. You know, you want a real world example about cadaver dogs and their excellence in what they are trained to do. Turkey and Syria just had an enormous earthquake and they're four days, five days into this event post. Searching still. Searching still and pulling living victims out of the rubble. So if they had a capable handler and a capable dog. And some you dogs would are better. Think, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Some dogs are better. Some handlers are better. Yeah. Or, you know, it comes in, in it, varying it, degrees. I don't necessarily knock the whole practice of cadaver dogs or search dogs, but um, you have to kind of l- look at it loosely because, like you said, some dogs are um, better and are more, like, well-trained in the... the um, stop distracting me, assholes. Are, well, this is the worst. We were doing we penis did. stuff, not assholes. Whatever. Thank you. This is supposed to be a serious podcast about a man who's missing. Yes, I understand that. Keep going. Anyway, so, I forgot what I was going to say. So, cadaver dogs, <laughs> some are going to be more like trained better. Like They're going to be more well done. They're going to have a really good track record. But I don't think, in my personal opinion, that the Buckeye Police Department sent out drones or these cadaver dogs. I don't think they did either. Yeah. So let's bullshit. Call let's close bullshit. With our call to action, right? Call to action. Give her. All right. So I came across this case through the power of social media and podcasts like the Mile Higher podcast, Voices for Justice, and Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. And it's all because of the effort of David by David Robinson to get his son's face and story out there. It's through David that we've learned about this fun-loving, family-oriented, happy, spirited, and intelligent young man who is missing. We all want Daniel found. We want his family to have their son and brother back. To have the answers they're looking for. And David Robinson has uprooted his life on June 25th, 2021 for his son and has been in Arizona ever since. He's not giving up, but he does need help. And I'm not sure, but this might this date might have changed. So make sure you check the website for more information. But 
He was planning on February 25th of this year that he will have another search for Daniel in the Sonoran, Sonoran Desert in Buckeye, Arizona. So if you are near that area, please join Dan, David in his search for his son. And if you cannot help with searches, you can help by donating to David's GoFundMe page. And we will link that in the Mystery Matt's social media pages. So Daniel Robinson was 24 when he went missing on June 23rd, 2021. He recently turned 26 on January 14th of this year. He has black hair, dark eyes. He's five foot eight, 165 pounds. He's missing his right hand and part of his forearm. He's young African-American who was last seen on June 23rd near Sun Valley Parkway and Cactus Road in Buckeye, Arizona. If you have any information regarding Daniel Robinson, no matter how small you think that tip or detail may be, please call the tip line at 844-602-0660 or the Buckeye Police tip line at 623 623- Three four nine six four one one, and we'll post those numbers for you on the mystery map pages. And for more information on Daniel's disappearance as well as upcoming searches, please go to pleasehelpfinddaniel.com. And you can check out David's social media. Twitter is at please help find four, the number four, and on Instagram and TikTok at please help find Daniel. The link to David's GoFundMe will be linked on our Mystery Map Fan Club page on Facebook and on our Twitter account at mystery map one the number one and david is always in need of the funds to help pay for searches as well as independent lab testing as well as his private investigator so let's help him bring daniel home and david if you somehow hear this uh we're not so religious here but if you are god bless he is. and daniel if you are hearing this go home or at very little call your father have a good night everybody take her easy <laughs>